Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Shoot Mark and Sarah talk about Shoot Mark and Sarah talk about Shoot Mark and Sarah talk about songs. Hello and welcome to episode 212 of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, where we go places that no man has gone before. Um, I do, however, have a certain logical assumption that you, Sarah, brought the... Oh, this metaphor's dying. But the point is, Sarah, you brought this song to the table today. So why don't you tell us what we'll be discussing? I did. Uh, We are discussing Leonard Nimoy's... um... felonious attack on prad mary um (laughs) spoiler uh i i do remember how we chose this leonard nimoy selection which is that there was like a list of them and they all seemed equally hilariously offensive so i asked mark to pick a number between like one and five or something and the one he picked was that wound up being prad mary in this list i think I think my thought process here was, uh, first of all, we needed like an older song because we've been talking about a lot of um, like 90s stuff recently, it felt like, or 80s stuff. Yes, and 80s, yeah. So I wanted to go a little further back. Um, And then, you know, the easy, like the low-hanging, immelodious cacophonous fruit is, of course, my birthday mate, William Shatner. Uh, singing whatever he's trying to sing. Uh, So I thought, you know, let's try the Nimoy because I don't really have any memory of what that was. I do remember that it was quite misguided and that he might have been better off sticking to his photographs and also paintings that he did of, quote, very full-figured women. (laughs) She talked about this with NPR like 10 or 15 years ago. We'll try to remember to link that in the show notes. Um, this, um, like Star Trek vanity project and song are a whole subgenre. Uh, I don't know, man. Like I, this was really a fascinating case because it's not good, but the, the ways that it forces you to think about why things are or are not good or pleasing or successful <laughs> as interpretations. Like this is everything that we do here, but at what cost? <laughs> Let's hear a clip. Big wheel keep on turning. Oh So glad that you clipped the part where he does the John Fogarty toinin and boinin. 
section. What? <laughs> I feel like that is the name of the law of the law firm that represented Leonard Nimoy in his second divorce. Toynan and Boynan. Oh my <laughs> god! <in law. laughs> An offshoot of Dewey Cheatham and Howe. Okay. <laughs> And oh, also the there's the key change, which like once you realize the key change is coming, it's like, oh, no, we're <laughs> all doomed. And we were. Um, so here are some things that are terrible. <laughs> Specific things that are ter- <laughs> terrible. He loses. I his- also feel like that, Sarah, is I could have seen you entering a party and that is your entrance line into, <laughs> into the party. <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> Here are some things that are terrible. <laughs> it's true. I I feel like that has been, if not my opening line at a party, like after five minutes, I've been like, okay, <laughs> since I do not yet have alcohol, here are some things that are terrible. Cut to an hour later where I'm like, listen, listen, listen. Here are some things that are fucking great. Okay. Yeah, okay. You know, AstroTurf, it really allows the players to slide. And when they trip over a bump in it, it's fucking hilarious. Okay. <laughs> Nimoy, anyway, Nimoy loses his breath audibly several times. Um, that key change is n- not going to be anyone's friend. And certainly, like, you can hear him sort of gathering his t- external genitalia for this jump. Toynin is unacceptable, as is Boynin. This uh, talk singing is fine, but this song is like you don't you sort of don't realize that this song is very simple and only has a few notes and that the interpretation and the vocal soul of the interpreter is everything. And look, I revered Mr. Nimoy. I watched all of In Search Of again (laughs) recently he what like seeing him appear on fringe was like one of the highlights of my tv viewing life he is great he was a total fox as mr spock but this person does not know how to get what he obviously feels very strongly about this song into the actual song which like i can't either i get it i am empathetic but like the quality of his voice is not terrible to listen to. It's not like Rod Stewart while I, where I will like dive out of a party headfirst <laughs> to get away from it. But he's really not confident in the end. And it sounds very strained. And this song does not, cannot support a lack of confidence in this way. Like you have to like get in the song, put it on and hack it to make it your own. Tina Turner can do that. Fogarty can do that. Nimoy c- cannot d- he cannot do that. Like, he's not half-assing it. He's really trying. But this is beyond, like, it's just not crossing the divide between what he what he is, like, feeling and what he is able to communicate. Um, the organ is excellent. So that's a thing that, is good but if you compare this to a song like um i don't care by the donnas 
their voices are not great either, but they compensate for that in the arrangement. And it's also sort of part of the larger meaning of that song. Nimoy mm. has nowhere to hide here and we all have to suffer. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many truths have just fallen from your lips, Sarah. <laughs> Where to begin? One, why have so many actors been given record deals? Why? So many. Shelley Fabre, William Shatner, as previously discussed. This is also not from Leonard Nimoy's first album. He had multiple albums. This song was on like yeah. album three or four. Yeah. How? How, how did that happen? <laughs> well, and how, I mean, how does someone close to him not say, although one of his wives was his costumer on In Search Of, and holy shit, like apparently sugar-free communication with those close to him was not on the menu because <laughs> at one point she had him in like this denim like work jumpsuit with black socks and brown tasseled loafers oh my god it was so terrible well, he almost got away you with know, it too i'm i'm glad that you mentioned his photography because he really did pursue that passionately for decades and yeah. there seemed to be a real artistic impulse to take photographs. And I don't understand why he made so many albums because it doesn't seem like there is any kind of artistic impulse or in fact any artistry at all because like you said he's not he's not interpreting these songs really. Like he it it is so very much the definition of a karaoke performance when you It m- really uh, is. When you jokingly imitate John Fogarty in the Creedence Clearwater revival version of Proud Mary, you are doing karaoke. And it's just like, it is fascinating to me that he doesn't have a point of view on any, on this material. I mean, I will, I will admit this is the only Leonard Nimoy song that I have heard. Maybe in other songs, his interpretive gifts are clear, but it seems to me that he just sort of strolled in Maybe was like two cognacs in by the time that they started up the tape machine. Uh And he was just like, I'm having a lark, boys. But like when Dean Martin does that, we've talked about Dean Martin before. Dean Martin has such a specific personality as a singer. You can hear in the way he's attacking the material, the sort of wink in his voice. Leonard Nimoy also seems kind of drunk, but it doesn't seem like he's got a point of view. So, yeah, it makes me think about what you said with regard to the Donnas and with other musicians who aren't necessarily great singers. Uh, Louie Louie by the Kingsman. Great example. It's like, but you can you can make up for a lack of vocal prowess with energy, uh, which Leonard Nimoy seems to be in short supply in this recording session. (laughs) And yet, was probably Sarah, smoking during it. And yet, Sarah, like you said too, this isn't okay. It is bad, and it is terrible. But in another way, it's pleasurable. It's like weirdly pleasurable. I, I think, think partly it's weirdly it does have to pleasurable do with that for people who do what we do to be like. But why is it terrible? Like just yes. flipping over the tapestry, and it's like, is that cat hair? Like. Like, I feel like the challenge of analyzing why this fails makes it pleasurable, whereas, like, 
objectively as a piece of aural experience, it is a D plus. Yeah, and I think, okay, this, go with me on this. I think one of the reasons that this is an interesting failure is that the the musicianship uh, behind him sounds expensive. It yeah, doesn't sound it does. like it's just like, it doesn't sound like Uncle Goocher just like came in with his with his oh, washtub bass. No, it's like they really got some good musicians back there, which makes it fascinating. It's like all of this money was spent so that someone with such limited skill could sing this song. Well, and I'm wondering, are you familiar with, I forget the name of this thing, but it's like a mashup of Carl Sagan and Stephen Hawking sp- speaking about like the nature of the universe and f- like quantum physics relationships. And um, Sagan starts by um, imitating a whale song and then he's <laughs> auto-tuned while he's talking about the nature of the number one and the complexities of the human mind to, you know create systems um it's really a beautiful song and i i sort of miss carl sagan being in the world every time i hear it speaking of space but like i'm just wondering what i'm just wondering what like carl sagan's you know talk songs album would be like (laughs) because i feel like his voice was you know he also was like not trained and not particularly talented, but I think he also had a commitment to what he was trying to communicate. That if he had like written a whole bunch of songs about the distant reaches of the galaxy, that they would actually be good mm. because he would be because he would be committed. So maybe like Nimoy originals aren't as bad as covers. Yeah, his first album, the Leonard, Leonard Nimoy's first album, and again, I just want to stress, there were lots of Leonard Nimoy albums. <laughs> um, his first album was called Leonard Nimoy Presents Mr. Spock's Music from Out of, Outer Space. Sure. And it seemed like that that might actually be slightly better because it really is about, like, space and shit. Like, there's a song, he <laughs> apparently there's a version of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star that he rewrote to be Twinkle Twinkle Little Earth. And it's just like, okay, why not? I mean, because he's doing it in character, maybe there's a bit more verve in that album than there is in this. Well, but then again, Mr. Spock is like, as Mr. Spock, is the antithesis of verve by definition. That's true. (laughs) God, you're right. His his whole thing is that he has no uh, feelings, or at least he can control them. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably not going to let loose with a Kansas rock scream at no. any point, Spock slash Nimoy. Well, yeah, and I I can sort of see that, like, part of the marketing appeal of this is going to be, like, that it's recognizably, audibly Nimoy, right? Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I sort of don't know how. I mean, I do know how to feel about this. It's bad. <laughs> it, it it contains many other bad things that are smaller um, under its bad umbrella. But, it, you know, you have to wonder if, like, he was just, like, fucking around at parties or, like, in his little home studio and someone was like, you should try to sell this. And then it kind of, like, 
just proceeded from there and it wasn't something he was necessarily trying to do. But I do think it's interesting that for the rest of us, like you try something like this and you're like, I'm just not quite good enough at this to keep going with it. But like I completed it and I'm glad it's done. Whereas Nimoy's like album five. Yeah, but actors (laughs) are not going to be are not going to, you know. (laughs) either be told that or be able to realize that due to certain narcissistic tendencies. Yes. Love you actors. Mean it. Reader. So apparently this all started, or at least this Mr. Spock album started because there was a lot of corporate synergy among the company that produced Star Trek. And then the company that made records, like there was just a lot of like large companies that were all equally invested in, the things around Star Trek. So that's where the first album came from, according to my research. And this happened a lot. That's why Shelley Fabre, who had been on the Donna Reed show or was at the time, got to release Johnny Angel and less remembered her co-star on that show. Paul Peterson released an even shittier song than Johnny Angel, (laughs) if you can believe it. There are, um, (laughs) I mean, I think CBS shows for sure. Yeah. That's how Tab Hunter ended up with a record deal and all that shit. So, but again, it, like it, like you said, though, it doesn't explain album five. <laughs> that might explain album one. Like Bruce Willis released an album, yeah, but there were he didn't release five. <laughs> I love that that one was the return of Bruno. Like, don't yeah. <laughs> don't threaten us. Like the sequel is the original Bruno. Like, okay, you know what? Ah, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Putting the no. You know, this is just back in Bruno. this is just one of those reminders of if you're like out there busting your ass in bars and clubs and you're actually a a talented musician it must be so demoralizing to see leonard nimoy's fifth album come out and just be like well fuck me then fuck my drag as they say yeah i mean yeah Uh, on the other hand i i feel like uh, i mean i feel like shatner's Shatner is a more terrible singer who also was a more like um, resistant to reality self promoter and always <laughs> always has been. Um, like, there's a TV movie in which he plays a killer pimp. I have seen it. It is <laughs> it is really a lot of information that I have well, just given he- to you, and it's the tip of the information berg. But he wrote that series of sci-fi books, Tech Wars, right? Like yeah. William Shatner clearly has the blithe confidence to believe he can do anything. He he is a mediocre white man. He I mean, it's really kind of amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I am honored to share a birthday with him and Ms. Reese Witherspoon, who actually kind of knows how to angle this birthday to her advantage <laughs> with a little more prestige. But um I, I mean, Shatner Shatner's one of those that it's like he, you know, he just never would go away and would never was just like a weeble wobble like that. It was like, this is a fucking terrible album. And then sprawling, he's back up like doing I don't even know what painting. Who knows? Yeah. Or like winning an Emmy for Boston Public or Boston Legal or whatever. Yeah. One of those Boston's not Boston Common. One of the other ones. I do want to say. One of the things that I was thinking about with this performance is that if I saw this at karaoke, I would be on my feet screaming in approval. Uh-huh. <laughs> on my feet screaming for the police. <laughs> I know. But I, I, 
Another thing that makes this fascinating is that this is not a William Hung level terrible vocal or Florence Foster Jenkins level. You know, like right. he's serviceable, which somehow makes it worse yeah. to me. I, yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, this is, I think, the absolute best that he could do. Yes. And it just doesn't, it doesn't cross the corpus callosum, basically, from like words and technique into actual music, which is sort of something larger than the words and the music together that is, you know, that Wordsworthian sense of poetry being communicated in song that he just can't quite, like the proportions are off. He doesn't have the recipe. And again, I'm not judging him. I don't either. Like <laughs> the occasional Kansas rock scream aside, I, <laughs> I got nothing for you. Like I just don't have that gift. And I suspect that were he still around, he would maybe agree with that, that he's like, you know, I really enjoy doing this and people would give me money and I've been divorced a few times and I needed the money. So what do you want from me? Like, okay. Well, you, let me guarantee you that if someone right now called me up and said, we will give you uh, $60,000 if you will go make an album of like Himalayan folk songs or whatever, I'd be like, sure. Where's yeah. the sitar or whatever? Sign me up. I'll do it. Or like Mark and Sarah, the duets. I mean, <laughs> sure. Although, don't, don't tempt us, universe. Look, they should back a Brinks truck up so that we don't do that. Because <laughs> it's like track seven. You're like, why do I always have to take the high parts again? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. More Sinatra? <laughs> Shut up. Wait, are you sure that we're really up to the Marvin Gaye, Tammy Terrell standard? Yes, we are. <laughs> Ain't no mountain high enough. Go, go, go. I can, fl- <laughs> I can fly you to the moon. I've bought the space shuttle. <laughs> oh, God. That's right. Please, please, world, give us the chance to abuse our wealth and status. <laughs> <laughs> or it would be like... um. I think I would be like Paula Abdul buying up all the copies of that movie Junior High School so that nobody (laughs) could see me singing Itty Bitty Titty Committee. And yes, that is going to come up repeatedly on this podcast. Add it to your bingo card. (laughs) Oh my God, this is a perfect time for me to mention that recently I bought a pack of 29-year-old Paula Abdul gum. Yes. And I sent you a photo. (laughs) You did. um, It is amazing how many... um, kinds of trading cards there are yes like i remember being shot that it was like they have hockey cards that's weird it's there's true crime cards there's saved by the bell the new class cards there's uh the rapper cards i'm sure there's star trek cards um i got dave cole a pack of x-files cards that he's been torturing tara with ever since sorry girl uh, <laughs> but yeah i mean we sh- that's what we should do for our next for our next project our next side project is a uh, actor vanity single cards oh my god and then on the Honestly? back we can have all the stats like did it chart who worked on oh it my god. <laughs> why is it so bad <laughs> who seemed who worked on it because they owed a tax debt how many alan smithies are listed on the liner notes <laughs> 
I'm, I'm writing this down, by the way. We should totally do That's this. actually a brilliant idea. And um, y'all heard it here first. Get ready to collect all 20 of these uh, limited edition cards. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, Mr. Nimoy, thank you for your service to our culture. And thank you for making albums that we could talk about. And thank you for stopping. And um, I'll, I, all I will add is keep on boining. I'm not very good at uh, singing songs, but uh, here's here's a try. If you wish to make an apple pie from scratch, you must first. Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, that's me, and Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. I also edit the podcast, which is a proud member of the Believe Network. Learn more at BLEAV.com. To learn more about us, submit song requests, get a pop chart reading, or buy a Mastis book, visit our website at MarkandSarahTalkAboutSongs.com. You'll also find all of our social media links there, too. That's Mark and Sarah, with an H, talkaboutsongs.com. And for even more content and access to the Mastass Happy Hour, become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash mastass. Thanks for listening. Our future depends powerfully on how well we understand this cosmos, in which we float like a mood of dust in the morning sky. But the brain does much more than just recollect. It intercompares, it synthesizes, it analyzes, it generates abstractions. The simplest thought, like the concept of the number one, has an elaborate logical underpinning. Shoot Mark and Sarah talk about shoot Mark and Sarah talk about shoot Mark and Sarah talk about song. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.